<clears throat> tremendous songs this morning, and uh, thank you for that, and I hope that's the desire of your heart to know God, and I hope that's why you're here. We're going to look at something, of course, <clears throat> our theme is now is the time, and we've been looking at that uh, since the beginning of the year, <clears throat> and I want to apply it to something in this story here um, this morning. Today, as we look at this, this portion of text, we're going to see a key to understanding the scriptures and what stops us from bearing fruit in our life. The thing that's important about that is there's no way we can live in the times in which we live and live with the urgency God wants us to have if we're not getting closer to God and understanding what it takes for us to have fruitfulness in our life. Fruitfulness with God's word working in our life. Fruitfulness with serving the Lord and in all the things that we do. And it's very important and we're going to see it in this story. <coughs> in the 20s and 30s, there was a weird weather phenomenon that came where there was in the mid Midwest, particularly down in the Oklahoma area, there was a, a, a serious drought and wind patterns and it ruined their crops for about a 10-year period. It was called the Dust Bowl. How many have ever heard of that? Literally, it ruined the soil. <clears throat> it ruined the soil for for uh, for the farmers, and it blew the dirt all over the place. I've seen uh, I've seen this before, and the, the dirt would come in, and they'd see this black cloud coming that would just blacken out their whole place. It was just dirt because there was no rain, drought. The dirt was hard, and the soft dirt on the on the top was blowing all over the place. It caused the ground to become unsuitable for planting seed and farming. Many of the farmers had to make decisions and many of them went bankrupt and sold their land or got out of there and moved to the West Coast. We used to call them, uh, the, the, you call them, probably not political, hillbillies, we used to call them Okies. I remember that from many years ago. That was a phrase that was given to them because many of them moved from Oklahoma to California. So it was talking about people from Oklahoma. They were coming to a better place. Now they're getting taxed to death, but that's a different story. One farmer, several years in, I read a story about one farmer where he was down to the last of his seed and he didn't want to plant. And if he planted this seed and the crop didn't happen again, he was out of seed and he would have been one of those that had to, to move. And so he was debating on whether or not to take a shot. And he decided this one year, he goes, I will go ahead and plant the seed. Now, fortunately for him, that's when the drought broke. And they had some of the best rain they've had in many, many years, and he was able to harvest his crop. But up until that time, the ground was not right, and many people lost their money, and their seed did not bear fruit. We're going to see that in this parable this morning. Jesus gave this parable. that The disciples didn't understand that, so they're like, he gave the parable, and then when the disciples got with him, said, I don't, I don't get this. Can you explain this to us? We have to get it. Jesus is going to explain the parable, and we'll look at that in a minute. But before he does that, he says something very important in verse 13. <clears throat> look at verse 13. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable? Which the answer already was no. But look what he said. And how then shall you know all parables? Before he explained it to him, and by the way, Jesus taught by parables. He said, you guys don't understand this, but let me just explain something to you. If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. Because this one holds the keys to understanding God's word and having it to be fruitful in their life. 
Why is it the most important one? It deals with the two greatest areas that affect our fruitfulness as a Christian. The first one is the word of God that is sown. We're going to see that's what he says the parable is. The seed that's being sown is God's word. But then he says that the place that receives it, it's the hearts. And then Jesus explains it to them. Verse 14, he says, the sower soweth the word. The word is sown by the sower. And the seed is the word of God, and it gets to the soil, which is the hearts of those who hear it. Now, he mentions four hearts. We're going to briefly look at the four hearts, but then we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to hone in on one certain thing. I'm not here to teach all four hearts. We're going to look at one specific thing, but I do want us to understand these. Look at verse 15. He talks about the first place the seeds are sown. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. So this is the seed that's sown on the, on the wayside. These are people that are not concerned. And to me, these are people that some have many interpretations. I don't believe these people are saved. Because the seed never takes foothold. As soon as it's sown, Satan comes and takes it. The wayside would be like the hard ground, right? I remember when, um, when, we, were, when we first got this building, the first two months we, we spent remodeling it. That, not this building, the old building when we first bought this property. And I remember we did a lot of things that uh, caused me to question my salvation. One of them was trying to run sprinkler out here with all the, the wooden roots. That was, that was a terrible day. And uh, pastor had us out here back before we put the basketball court, and it's like, hey, let's turn this dirt and try to, try to get it ready. And it was like rock hard. You literally needed like uh, uh, one of those concrete breakers to break it up. That was a really rough day too, okay? Um, but there was no way that you could throw seed on that dirt, and it was going to germinate because it was rock hard. That's what an unsaved person is. Their heart, they're not concerned about salvation. They're not concerned about God right now. And so you can sow that seed, and it's going to be snatched away right away because their heart is hard. That was the first one. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have not root in themselves, and so endure for but a time, and afterwards affliction or, or persecution ariseth for the, first, for, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. These are on hard ground, not completely uh, void of being able to germinate the seed, but they're not committed. These are those that their ground is a little bit broken up and the seed starts to t germinate, but it can't get any root at all. And the first thing that comes their way that offends them, they're gone. These are newer Christians, I believe. This, this, this is, um, that's, by, by the way, let me say this. One of the things that we need to do as new Christians is if God's not changing things in our life, we want to keep everything in our life and think that God's word's going to germinate. It's not. That's why when if Peter says you add to your faith, what's the first thing we're supposed to add to our faith? He says virtue. Virtue is, is, is how we live. And so if we're not, if we want the word of God, but we're not willing to let the word of God make changes, it'll get in there for a little bit, but eventually it's just going to die out very, very quickly. Then he gives us the third one. And they which are sown among thorns, they hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. This is the thorny field. They're not careful. The word's there and it's growing and they want it to grow, but they're allowing other things to grow and eventually it chokes it out. 
And then the last one is the one where we all want to end up. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and they receive it, and it works in their life, and it brings forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This is the good ground. It's not compromised. It's fertile. It's ready. It wants to bear fruit, and it'll do whatever it takes to bear fruit. And it bears fruit. Now, <clears throat> we understand already by listening to this part that the heart is important in receiving biblical truths, just as the ground is important in receiving the seed for the harvest. Because the seed, the word of God, is never the problem. Amen. If somebody is not growing in their faith, they can blame anybody, any place, or anything, but the problem is them. Right. It's their heart. They're just using the other things as an excuse. And so the seed is the word of God. If you're not growing, it's not the Bible's fault. God wants to work in our lives. Which of these hearts, though, and this is what I want to look at in the few minutes left, which of these hearts are the deadliest for us here today? I don't think it's the first. Now, maybe you're here and you're not saved, and that can be taken care of later. But I don't think that's the majority of us here. <clears throat> I don't think it's the second. I think those are new believers and they're picked off by an unwillingness to change and bear fruit. Sometimes somebody gets saved and they're like, that. well, that's all I want. I don't want anything else. Well, the word of God's not going to work in your life very well. I don't think it's the fourth. Because the four, if you're here and you're the fourth, you're on target. Keep going. I think it's the third. That's the heart I believe is the tough one. It's the thorny ground. It's the person who received the word of God but was not careful to guard their heart against that which would choke the word. And by the way, I believe you can be in that fourth category and end up getting into that third category if you allow the thorns. They weren't like the first heart. They were concerned. They just weren't careful. They weren't like the second heart. They were committed. They're just not careful. They're not like the last heart. They weren't compromising they just weren't careful. They became unfruitful because they're not careful in three distinct areas that are mentioned here. And that's what I want us to look at today. All of these areas turn our focus on the world and away from the word. And if we're not careful, those of us who do have a desire for God's word to work in our life, those of us who do have a desire to, to bear fruit, we struggle, and eventually we're hurt. So let me give you these three briefly. First of all, there's a distraction. He says, and the cares of this world. Cares basically means being distracted by worries or anxiety. You know what the cares of this world are? The everyday grind of life and the things we must deal with. We all face those things. And sometimes if we're not careful, we don't face them from the, from the, from the angle of God's word's going to help me to get through these things. We face them and we set God over to the side. Amen. And those things start to take over. And then we start to get concerned and we start to get worried and our focus gets on the wrong thing and that starts to grow with the word and eventually you can't, look, you can't have weeds growing with roses. Someone's going to die, and guess who dies? Man, weeds can grow anywhere. They don't need much. 
And so that's what dies, the right part. Here's what it means. Our hearts can be hindering the fruitfulness of the word of God because of all the things of this world that we are concerned about. We're not talking about living wickedly. We're not talking about living unrighteously. We're talking about the things we have to deal with on a daily basis. We must be careful and on guard and living by faith to make sure these things don't choke out the word. Sometimes we think someone gets into this or that sin and it kills them, and it does. But more often than not, it's this kind of stuff that creeps in because it causes us to quit living by faith. You say, what's the big deal about that? I don't know. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is what? Ouch. Ouch. Think about that, John. It doesn't say someone out, out doing drugs or doing this, although that's wrong. It says if you don't live by faith, that's sin. Any area of your life you're not living by faith is wrong. And this causes that. Things that we don't look at as necessarily sinful, but we get off on those things and it causes our focus to be turned away from God. Amen. We get concerned about the necessities of life. If you'll look, and we won't turn to it, <coughs> I was going to, but for sake of time, in Matthew chapter 6, we know the verse 33, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added up to, unto you. But what's he talking about in the verses before? The things of life. What are we wearing? What are we eating? Where are we living? All those different things that we have to deal with, and I understand we need to deal with them. Don't get me wrong. But if we deal with the regular things of life, apart from God, we get anxious, and we let those cares get to us, and we're no longer living by faith, and it's going to grow up, and it's going to choke out God's word. It's going to choke out God's word. We need to be very careful. We need to live by faith. We get concerned about the problems of life. <coughs> Philippians tells us, Philippians 4 says, be careful for nothing. And we mentioned that, I think, on Thursday. doesn't mean live like a kamikaze. Okay? It just means don't worry. We worry about everything. By the way, worry doesn't, any, doesn't fix anything. Everything you worry about, 99% of it never happens. It was a waste of emotional energy. And when we're worrying about it, we're not trusting God in that area. I'm not saying be irresponsible, but let's trust God. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. I guess if you want to take the inference there, if we, uh, if we uh, uh, struggle and we are concerned about things, we stop going to God in prayer. Amen. We're more concerned about what could happen that probably isn't going to happen. And so we need to be very careful. It's just a matter of trust. We say we believe God. We say we trust God. We say that he can help us. And yet if we're not careful, when things come that we need help with, our concern is more on the things than on God. Anything that takes your focus off of God is going to cause you issues. And I'm not saying, look, problems come, face them head on. Problems come, do what you need to do, but don't let it stop you from trusting God. That's the problem. Remember, the Bible is a book of comfort. But if we're not receiving his words, we're not going to receive that comfort. We're letting something else. I, I don't know how many times over the years, talk to someone, hey, mission the services for that. Oh, you know, Pastor Myers, I'm just going through this huge problem right now, and I'm not going to come back to church until, until I get that problem dealt with. You know what that means? I'll never see him again. Yeah. 
because you are detaching yourself away from the very thing that's going to help you deal with the problems. It's like saying, I'm not going to read my Bible until everything's okay. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works out for you. We need to trust God and stay faithful to God in the midst of problems. And you know what we find out? We can get through those problems. Whenever we let the focus be on the problems and we set God off to the side, God gets set off to the side for a really long time. So, distraction. Secondly, deceived. Verse 19, he says, And the deceitfulness of riches. One of the greatest liars in the world is money. It lies to us. Deceit means lies. And we get, and we, it lies to the point where we buy into them. There's nothing more powerful or deceitful than the promises and allurement of riches. You don't believe me? How many people play the lotto? You know what the lotto, someone said the lotto is taxes for people that are bad at math. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than winning the lotto. You do. So I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. If you've ever been struck by lightning, play the lotto. Okay? Seriously. So I know what you're going. You're all going to go to the golf course and put a golf club in the air when it's like lightning. Okay? But, 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 but you know why we do that? Because we think if we hit the lotto, it's going to solve all of our problems. Okay? You may be rich, rich and you may get a nicer house, but that's not going to solve your problems. That's what riches tells us. And it's a lie. We all buy into it, by the way. Promises to give us everything we need to be happy. That only comes from God. Right? Here's the lies of wealth. You'll be secure. You may be financially secure, but you won't be secure in every other area of life. And you may not even be financially secure. Oh, it'll bring me joy. Nope. Joy only comes from God. And you can have joy regardless of the situation in your life. It brings me freedom. Nope. It doesn't. It may mean that you can have your own schedule, but freedom only comes when we live within the confines of God's word. It brings me fulfillment. Nope, that only comes from God because only God can fill that place in our hearts. It brings me success. Some of the people that have the worst lives have the most money. Success comes from, Joshua tells us, from God's word being fruitful in our life. All those things only come from God. And that's why the verses before the verse in Matthew I read you earlier say this. No man can serve two masters. That doesn't mean you can't have two wives, okay? Although you shouldn't. (laughs) For either you will hate the one. Thank you. Uh, The only one that thinks more than one wife would be great is someone who's never been married. Okay. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. So you can't have two masters. What is he talking about? He says it right here. You cannot serve God in mammon. You can't. It's a false God. Now think of it. We can think back in history that people that have been caught up in false belief systems, right? How many remember Jonestown? Over 900 people left San Francisco, followed this crazy drug-induced maniac over to uh, Guyana, they set up their own little combine. He was cruel, he was mean, he he was horrible. And when they were found out what was going on, he had them all drink poison and die, over 900 of them. You look at the nutcase in Waco. How many of you remember Heaven's Gate? When we started the church in Monterey Park, I was over there and we had a visitor. And, and they said, you know what? The visitor told me, he goes, we visited a service of Heaven's Gate one time. 
said, someone invited me to come to this Bible thing, and it was somebody, it was at a house, and they're like, it was scary, it was spooky. But there was like 40 people, they all committed suicide in the name of their false belief. We look at that and say, isn't that nuts? <coughs> and that's the far side of nuts? But can I just tell you something here? If you're trusting in money, that's a false god too. That's a false belief system, and it is in direct opposition to God. That's growing in your heart. Can I just tell you something? The word of God's going to be choked out. You say, Pastor, how do I know? Let me just say this and move on quickly so you don't throw spears or darts or shoot me. Do you give? Pastor, you talk about giving too much, deceitfulness of riches. And I'm not trying to chip away at your money, okay? I talk about giving because God talks about giving, and I know the blessing in my life. But if that's a problem for you, you might have bought into that. Let's move on quickly. <clears throat> Number three, the third area is just desires. Our desires. And the lust of <coughs> other things. We think of lust, we think of one thing, immorality. The word lust means desire. That's all it means. Now, in the far term, we're desiring something immorally that God doesn't want us to have. But you, can, you, you desire a lot of other things that aren't like that that God doesn't want you to have. Your flesh naturally desires things which aren't right. Our Sunday school class, we're pre talking about dying to self. We have to make a decision. You know what? I'm not going to follow less. My flesh was crucified with Christ. It's supposed to be dead. I'm going to be in Christ, and I'm going to live Christ in this world. <clears throat> what are these other things? These are things that are not related to the word, but to the world. These are things that are a rejection of the word, but not the world. When we receive the word of God into our hearts, it is a rebuke. Listen to this. It's a rebuke of our desires. That's what the Bible does. The Bible, when we read it and it becomes a part of our life, what we do is first and foremost, we say, I am putting the things of God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I'm going to follow those, and guess what's going to happen? Everything else will fall into line. That's what he said in, in Matthew when we talked about the distraction. He says, look, just you put me first. You put your life first for me. And all these things you need, don't worry about it. I will make sure you're taken care of. That's faith. But what we say is, I want the things that I want, even to the point of, I don't care if they're right or wrong. <coughs> How can we rebuke those desires? We realize that we are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? By the way, he applied that to immorality. That, that's like, look, if the Holy Spirit's a part of me, how can I be, how can I be physically joined to something that's wrong? That was just free. Verse 20, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you understand? Jesus Christ bought me. I belong to him. I don't need to do the things that Steve Myers wants to do, and you don't need the things that you want to do. You ought to do what God wants you to do. And our desires are still corrupt, and we need to rebuke them. You need to say, if that's not what God wants, if the Bible says it's wrong, I need to just push that to the side, and I need to do what he wants. We Look, enough of this stuff of Christianity, like, just, you can do both. You can't do both. Oh, I'm saved by grace. By grace, we know that we are dead to sin. How shall we live any longer therein? We realize that desires can destroy us. James chapter 1, verse 14. 
He says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know how Satan tempts us? He doesn't tempt us with something we don't like. Look, I will never be tempted. If I backslide and I go to the devil, it won't be at the end of a bottle of alcohol. I drank it. When I was teen, that's all I did. But I only did it because my friends did it. It wasn't something I really enjoyed. That was easy to give up when I got right with God. I'm like, good enough. I didn't like that anyhow. Right? But there are other things he would throw my way. And by the way, you know what he'll throw your way too. What was it? If, if you've been living for God and there was some things you had to struggle to get over, what was that last thing you had to struggle with? That's probably the thing he's going to try to get you with. But he uses our desires. Look, if, if I was on a diet and I break a diet, you could, oh, here's this fish. I'm not eating fish. Help us. Hey, here's eggplant. I didn't know eggs can produce plants, right? What do you do, bury a chicken? Don't do that. Chickens are worth lots of money right now, okay? It's going to be something that I want. And I won't tell you what they are because I'm getting hungry. But you know what the Bible does? It transforms everything about us, including our desires. I didn't, used to, I didn't used to like Christian music. I didn't. I thought I was goofy. But you know what? I changed. I didn't used to like salads. Man, when I went to college, I hated salad. Like, lettuce is sin. And tomato is like super sin. Right? But I went to Bible college, and they just slammed it on my plate, and I'm like, I'll eat it. And I'm like, that's good stuff. I developed an appetite for it. I didn't used to like Snickers bars. I developed an appetite for it. I... I I didn't used to like coffee. I know, I know, I know. Pray for me. I didn't used to read my Bible either, so there you go. I definitely developed an appetite for coffee. Mm. Now, those are the three things, <coughs> okay? But what happens if we allow those things to get in our life? You know what happens? It brings destruction. Look at verse 19. <coughs> it says, <coughs> entering in. We let it enter in. See, we think it comes slamming through the front door. It sneaks in slowly, right? Man, you're trusting God, and, and, and you're doing this, and all of a sudden in this area you start to get distracted. And in that area you start to let the deceitfulness of riches in. In this area you're starting to let your lust take over, and it slides in the door. It enters in. By the way, deny it access. Well, that didn't go over very well. Stop it, right? It comes in, it's just like, stop it. Stop it. Give me 10 steps. There's one. Stop it. How many remember that video clip we used to show? It's, it's, it was Bob Newhart. Pray for me. And uh, he's doing a skit, and this lady comes in. He's a psychologist, and she goes, I got a problem. He goes, I can help you. Five minutes, it's all good. And she tells her problem. She was, I think, afraid of being buried alive. And she tells this problem. He goes, okay, I got the help. Ready? She goes, let me write it down. He goes, no, you don't write it down. Don't write it down. It's just two words. Stop it. <laughs> she goes, excuse me? He goes, you want to be buried? No, stop it. <laughs> so that's the next message next week. Stop it. But look, look, it starts to come in. Just stop it right there. Don't, don't, don't kind of, I can get away with it. And it kind of gets in and sets up shop. Entering in. And you know what it does then? Choke the word. Now the word's endangered. You let it enter, and now the word of God's endangered. You know why? 
Because you've allowed something else in your heart to start growing with the word. See, the word was fruitful, but now the weeds are coming in, and you let it enter in, and you didn't stop it. Slowly but surely, the word is getting choked, and then it says, and it becometh unfruitful. Now it's ended. By the way, you know what becometh unfruitful is? That means at one time it was fruitful. See, just because the God, God's word is working in your heart today doesn't mean it's going to work in your heart a year from now if you're not careful. Satan didn't get, see, you know, well, they, I didn't want them to get saved. They got saved. Satan didn't give up. <clears throat> He's going to keep them from growing. In the, well, they're growing in the Lord now, and they're, they're, they're living for Christ. I give up. He's not, he never gives up. We have to always be on guard. Always be on guard. If we're going to live in accordance with our theme, <clears throat> it requires us to focus on the eternal. And that's the word of God in our heart. How's your heart today? How's your heart today? Let me ask you this. <clears throat> when is the last time anything from the word of God got a hold of you? By the way, I talked earlier about the invitation and let's stay focused and not go in and out during the invitation. Why? God, that's, God deals with us. I don't know how many times in the service I've heard something and it spoke to my heart. And I want God to do business. By the way, some of you used to let God do business and you don't anymore. Some of you used to come to the altar. You wouldn't come down here if it was covered in gold nuggets. Okay? Look, do you read the word? I read the word sometimes. I'm like, man, I've read that a hundred times. How come I didn't see that the first time? Or someone will tell me something like, hey, there's this truth. You sent me an article, Joseph, and I, about the, uh, he didn't see it. And I read that. I'm like, I didn't see that. That would have been a great message. Now I can't preach it because I'd be stealing. So I'll just change the words a little bit. Ask AI how to fix it, okay? But look at God wants to speak to us. Is God's word speaking to you? If there's a time that he used to speak to you and it's getting less and less, could it be that something else is growing in your heart alongside of it? And it's not that it's not completely unfruitful now, but it's starting to become unfruitful. Let God work in your heart. You're saved here. Most of you are saved today, I believe. We have some, the word of God's working in our hearts and is working in your heart. And I, I believe some of you are new Christians and you're going the right direction. You're trying to make changes. It's that, it's that third one. Because we think we're okay. And when we think we're okay, that's when Satan starts slipping those things in. Guard your heart. Protect it. Keep it fertile so that the word of God can grow and bear fruit in your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a minute if we may. <clears throat> every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> How's your heart today? Remember, I did not say this, Jesus did. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. That this is the greatest of the parables. If you don't understand this parable, then you don't understand all of them. Why? Because our heart is where the word of God germinates and takes root. And if we don't understand that, we're never going to bear spiritual fruit in our lives. How's the word of God? I'm not asking you if you're perfect, by the way, because I definitely am not. But are you making progress? Or did you used to make progress and now you've stopped and you don't know why? It's because there's probably thorns growing in that heart. Maybe you're here this morning before we have our invitation and you're the first heart You've never received Christ. By the way, 
not everybody, the seed doesn't ought to always fall off. Maybe God's been preparing you and you're ready. You're ready to receive the gospel. You probably wouldn't come to church if you weren't. If you're here this morning with nobody looking around, you say, Pastor, that is me. I am not 100% for sure that if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven, but that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me with nobody looking around? If you'll just put your hand up real quick, I'll see it. Yes, right here. Right here, yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Let's stand together. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you let this word of God germinate in your heart?